For those who aren't familiar, biohacking is the practice of employing methods drawn from fields like biology, genetics, neuroscience, and nutrition to enhance physical or mental performance, improve overall health and well-being, or achieve a specific health outcome. For example, weight loss. A common example is the use of wearable technology, such as an Apple Watch or an Aura Ring, to monitor your circadian rhythms and optimize sleep. There's an event here that they're starting to have every year called the, the Health Optimization Summit. So it's just this big expo floor of all the latest and greatest gadgets and tools and biohacks and then a bunch of speakers. This is Ben Greenfield. He has been dubbed arguably the world's fittest, most healthy man and is certainly the most influential biohacker on the planet. So I came in to give the keynote there right. and, uh, and get a chance to mess around and experiment with a whole bunch of cool things. Ben is a maverick figure who's ingested tapeworms to optimize gut health, given himself electric shocks to build muscle, and injected stem cells into his penis. Well, you'll have to ask him about that. It's all in the name of research for Greenfield, With a career spanning over a decade, he has dedicated himself to pushing the boundaries of what's possible in human health and well-being. In this episode, I had the pleasure of meeting Ben to explore the cutting-edge biohacks and holistic health strategies that have made them an icon in this field. So Ben, the biohacking world's wild west, there's so much out there, new stuff like the conference you were at last weekend and everyone's trying to sell you their product. So if you don't really, if you're not integrated into the subject, into this world, you don't really know your stuff, how do you, can you just narrow it down for our listeners to the, yeah. to, to the whatever, yeah. three, five, ten most important, most valuable machines to use and Absolutely. be familiar with? Absolutely. Uh, you know, look, it's, it's generally, I think, pretty well known especially if you open the average fitness or health or nutrition magazine or, or you know watch watch some tv show about health that we're supposed to have some amount of movement in our lifestyle and we're supposed to eat healthy mm-hmm. right eat good whole clean organic food as close to the earth as possible don't eat a lot of sugar and vegetable oil and exercise if you can right most people know that i'd insult your intelligence by telling you that part what gets left out what gets 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 ignored or what more people should know about is back to the concept I was talking about a little earlier of your body being a battery. Right. Each of your cells operates on a very precise electrochemical gradient for every single cell. A slightly negative charge on the mm-hmm. inside of the cell, a slightly positive charge on the outside of the cell. That is how cells make energy. Right. ATP, the body's mm-hmm. energy currency, is dependent upon the battery of the body working properly. Now, there are certain things that can drain that battery or cause a more positive charge mm-hmm. to be on the inside of the cell rather than a negative charge. A perfect example would be you know, frequent airplane travel, frequent exposure to what's called non-native electricity, like you know, just a soup of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi routers and smart appliances and smart homes in, in electric cars that are bombarding you with electricity, eating foods, especially many foods that are grown these days in soil that's not rich in minerals. So the, so the food that you eat that's grown in that soil is void of electrolytes and salts that the right. body uses to carry a charge. So what do you do about that? You said three, five, or 10, so I'll go with, I'll go with six. First, we've already mentioned two of them. Getting in touch with the surface of the planet 
or using some type of technology that simulates the surface of the mm-hmm. planet on a regular basis. This is called earthing, grounding, or electromagnetic field technology. That charges the body's battery with the natural elements that the Earth would normally emit that our ancestors would be exposed to on a frequent basis. So, so just, sorry to interrupt, yeah. the, the, so the, these, these devices, you say that, um, I know our listeners would be very inquisitive about these things. Yeah. And one of the things that they would ask is, if there's not much research done on this, apart from your own yeah. instinct and the price that you've paid oh, for oh, giving well, a placebo. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, what, now, the, don't get me wrong. There's not a lot of research on the newfangled devices that you'll see popping up at some type of expo, all these brand new hot off the presses type of devices. What I'm about to explain to you does have robust amounts of human clinical research behind it. So it kind of depends what we're talking about here and you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Earthing and grounding, for example, hundreds of PubMed studies on all the benefits of earthing and grounding and being in touch with the surface of the planet or using mats or other tools or technologies to simulate that type Mm -hmm. of effect. The most popular in the biohacking industry being called PEMF Mm -hmm. or pulsed electromagnetic field technology that charges up the body's battery. That would be one. So what does it do to you? How do you feel? The The way that you would feel is literally when those frequencies are... Wah, 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 coming up through your, your, your back or your feet or your hands is the cell membranes are opening and closing and allowing for proper movement of electrolytes in and out of the cells, thus charging up the battery. You experience relaxation, sleep, an improvement in energy, a decrease in inflammation is probably the largest component of earth and grounding. People who are inflamed get a decrease in inflammation that they'd normally have to go whatever, take ibuprofen or eat a bunch of ginger and turmeric and herbs and spices to achieve. But you can do that via methods other than supplementation and foods, which is what everybody likes to talk about, mm-hmm. right? There are, there are other ways of natural living that can achieve that. The second would be something I already also mentioned, photons of light. Mm-hmm. Your body has the ability to absorb photons of light, particularly from a certain nanometer wavelength of light, 600 to about 850 nanometers of light, mm-hmm. which is the red and infrared light spectrum, that actually is absorbed by the cells and upregulates the cell's ability to create ATP. Right. So when we look at red light panels, infrared light, sunlight, infrared saunas, any of these type of devices, all the way down to research now being done with impressive results on Alzheimer's and dementia and stabilization of neural tissue occurring with the presence of this light going through the ear or the top of the head or into the nose shows that our bodies are designed to be sun eaters, right? To, to be exposed to these photons of light. So that'd be number two. And well, how would you yeah. differentiate between infrared sauna, red light panels, red mm-hmm. light beds? There's quite a yeah. few different Yeah, there are. An infrared sauna, that's primarily using infrared, invisible light mm-hmm. spectrum that would be on a different wavelength than, say, visible red light. Many sauna companies will put red lights in an infrared sauna. So you're getting both. Some people like me, for example, will have a red light panel Mm -hmm. that I'll stand in front of or behind during the first 20 minutes or so of work in the office. And the cool thing about that is it also simulates sunrise, or if I were to use that in the evening, sunset. So there is an effect not only on the body's battery, but also on how your eyes respond to light and the regulation of your circadian so, rhythm. So you get better sleep. So you mean sunset, sunrise, depending on the type of light? Yeah. Or? 
Yeah, exactly. And I don't know about you, but like there's some mornings where I'm not going to get my ass up at 4.30 a.m. and hike to the top of a mountain and go watch a sunrise. And sometimes I'm having dinner with my family indoors when the sun is setting, but I can still go in my home and flip on red lights when Mm -hmm. the sun is rising or flip them on when the sun is setting and still get the benefits of the sleep regulation from red lights. Mm -hmm. So light would be two. The next two are very interesting. I mean, we've got this big body of water. Perhaps at some point you and I can have the the pleasant experience of jumping into a a cold bath. Fluctuations in temperature Mm -hmm. allow for the flow of electrolytes through the body and allow for the battery to stay more charged. This is why we see research out of Finland, for example, on decreased risk of Alzheimer's, decreased risk of diabetes, decreased all-cause risk of mortality, with death from any chronic disease, from a regular sauna habit, meaning getting your body hot and sweating on a regular basis. The same can be said as cold, or, or the same can be said and, of cold. combining them or separately? Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I like to combine them because mm-hmm. it feels really good to go jump in a cold bath after mm-hmm. you've been in the sauna and you're also a little less sweaty and stinky for your time with your friends mm-hmm. afterwards. But the cold is something that's also very popular in the, in the biohacking world, mm-hmm. cryotherapy chambers and fancy cold pools. And yeah, you could achieve that in a primal setting. But if you live in the middle of London and don't necessarily have 50 feet from your front door, some icy cold river or lake or ocean to jump into, the idea of using a a cold shower or an ice bath or a cold therapy pool or walking down the street to some biohacking center that has a cryotherapy chamber allows you to get the cold that has a similar effect as the heat in terms of keeping that body's battery charged. Have you ever been in the Russian Banya? I have been in the Russian Banya. I've also spent a lot of time in Finland. And uh, it's different. The Russian Banya is pretty amazing. I love those experiences where you're getting... Uh, what, what's the type of, uh, of, uh, birch. of tree, tree branch that they'll use to, birch. Some birch to beat there. you, to whip you? Yeah, there we go. We can take those into the sauna later on and get yeah. the best of both worlds. So heat and cold, in addition to earthing, or what you would also call grounding, and sunlight. And then the final two would be water and minerals, because that's also used to carry these charges throughout the body. We're all familiar from high school chemistry or whatever that, that minerals have a charge, right? Like calcium magnesium, potassium, sodium, etc. Well, if your body is depleted of electrolytes because you're eating most modern food grown in mineral-depleted soil, or you're not using things like really good salts, like table salts, just sodium chloride. But there's really great salts out there, Celtic salt and Mexican salt and Florida cell and Kona black salt. And these salts have sometimes 70 plus different minerals in mm-hmm. them that if you sprinkle on your food throughout the day will allow the battery of your body to stay charged. There are also... Uh, companies like LMNT and Protect and Kington and all these companies that, unlike Gatorade, aren't just sugar bombs full mm-hmm. of electrolytes, but just salts that you open a packet of and you pour into a, a glass of water or into, into a cocktail or anything else that you might be be drinking yeah, I've or tried consuming. So, it's pretty good. so yeah, yeah, and and that's a really great way to keep the body charged up. But of course, water, like good, clean, pure, filtered water, water from springs, water that you're not drinking from plastic, preferably, but mm-hmm. but from good natural glass bottles. Mm-hmm. That's how your body's going to carry those minerals throughout your system. And so, stepping back, big picture, yeah, move, yeah, eat healthy, but also get grounding, get sunlight, get heat, get cold, get water, get mm-hmm. minerals, and. Back to your question of, of what would be some of the major things that people should think about as they're getting started towards a journey of health optimization, that would be some of the low-hanging fruit that mm-hmm. could be achieved through primal and ancestral methods, and that could also be achieved through modern biohacking mm-hmm. technologies. And uh, on the salts, do you, would you mix them all up or do one thing at a time, like the element T and the... 
Um, oh, I I uh, I have a fanny pack that I often wear when I go to restaurants <laughs> when I'm off traveling. The fanny pack always has little packets of electrolytes in it. Uh-huh. You might see if we have dinner tonight, but I always have a little Ziploc bag full of a really great salt. And I do both. Almost all the water I drink, I'll pour electrolytes into. Almost all the food I'll eat, I sprinkle salt onto. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a myth. And there's a great book about this by Dr. James D. Nicolantonio called The Salt Fix that shows a lot of research that is indicating salt is not bad for your blood pressure unless it's the table salt that we're all used to, those little white crystals of sodium chloride. But good mineral-rich salts are actually fantastic for your blood pressure. My blood pressure is about 110 over 70. My sodium is fine. My potassium is great. I don't have depleted magnesium levels like many people do. And I think a big, big part of that is because I pay attention to the body's battery through mm-hmm. this electrolyte supplementation. So how would you, if you, if our listeners, viewers wanted to do this at home and maybe they don't have time to go to somewhere where it's got infrared sauna or have a yeah. or, or cryo, what would you, how, how would you recommend they could structure this? How many times yeah. a week do yeah. what and, yeah, and what's exactly. important every day? What exactly. Here, here, here's the beginner's version. Make friends with the cold side of the cold water tap in the shower Mm -hmm. and take a cold shower every day every time you take a shower try to go cold for as long as possible or as much of the shower as possible Mm -hmm. so the hot water might be on a morning where i don't know you're hungover or you're really cold because you've been out water skiing or something like that but cold showers are fantastic those are simple i don't know many people who can't walk into their shower and use the cold instead of the hot Number two, be outside barefoot, touching trees, rocks, like we are right outside barefoot, if you can for a minimum of 20 minutes a day. Just figure out a way. Even if it's a business phone call or whatever, you're going to take a quick afternoon nap and go outside on your back on the ground. It it doesn't take long, but you get outside on the ground, use any excuse you can to do so, take off your shoes. And as a matter of fact, if you live in a city where there's, I don't know, hypodermic needles and shards of glass or whatever, there are companies now that literally make shoes designed with copper plates in the bottom that keep your body grounded even when your feet are protected, right. like uh, earth runners and plugs. And there's a few different companies that do this now. There's one at the, at the Health Optimization Summit here in London. So those shoes are becoming more popular because mm-hmm. people are realizing, yeah, your feet need protection. You also don't want to look like a dirty hippie walking into a restaurant, but you're able to stay grounded even with shoes on now in many cases. Um, number three would be if you can get outside in the sunlight, use every excuse that you can to do so. Even if it's on a cloudy day, you're still going to get adequate right. exposure to sun. Yeah, it's supposed to be two hours or more, but I mean, every little bit counts. So any excuse you can have to get out in the sun, do it. And some of this stuff stacks, right? Like I could be outside barefoot walking in the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Maybe I live near a body of water or an ocean or a lake and I can jump out into that and get That's my cold while I'm walking and and yeah, I mean, there, there are ways to be creative with this and shortcut some well, Presumably, the red yeah. light doesn't give you, uh, doesn't stimulate vitamin D production. So you still yep. need to go You still outside. need UVA and UVB or, uh, actually, I have the gene that dictates, and many people have this and don't realize it because you can get your, your genes tested through your saliva. I have the gene that means that my body does not adequately convert sunlight into vitamin D. So I still supplement with vitamin right. D. And I also eat a lot of organ meats, which are rich in fat-soluble vitamins, you know, like liver and kidney mm-hmm. and heart and some of this so-called, uh, what do you call it here, awful? Awful. Exactly. Yeah, awful. And so um, in addition to that, the we, we talked about the earthing and grounding, the sunlight, the cold. If you go to the gym, maybe wear an extra layer of clothing. Maybe you don't have access to a sauna, but do things that allow your body to get hot. Maybe go for a drive on a hot day. I I trained for Ironman triathlon for 20 years, and for much of that, I was dirt poor. I couldn't afford a sauna. I would literally go for drives 
with the air conditioning off in my car, the heat turned up on a hot summer day and just be sweating during the drive just to force the body to get hot. We live in very temperature controlled, safe, comfortable, predictable environments. That's not that great, not only for cellular resilience and adaptivity to stress, but it's also not that great for the body and its battery and the blood flow and the temperature fluctuations that our ancestors would have experienced mm. on a regular basis. What's the three scourges of, of Western man? Too much eating, <laughs> too much sleeping, and too uh -huh. much heat. Too much eating, too much sleeping, and too much heat. I get that. And then the three reasons that most people do something wrong. Power, money, and sex, right? So that, that, that's a discussion for another day. Uh, and then the, the last couple of things, very simple. Water and minerals. You can find a spring near you and get spring water and go to the grocery store. And you know, buying good, clean, filtered water is, is not that expensive these days. Or you can be super crazy and get like a whole house water filtration system where everything is filtered through reverse osmosis or double carbon block filtration. And then you're adding salts and minerals to that water, salting your food throughout the day. That is not that expensive or unattainable for most people. And then, of course, you know, exercise if you can, anywhere from 20 to 60 minutes a day. Eat a diet that's as recognizable as possible and as far removed from processing and ultra processing as possible. And you're gonna you're gonna start to fire on all cylinders and feel like a human being is supposed to look and feel and perform. I also asked Ben what motivates him because it. It seems to me and to many others that a lot of people in the field are motivated by personal gain and hence the, the need and the drive to sell, sell, sell. And I was curious to find that in his case, he is really motivated by um, doing good for humanity through a uh, leading example of himself and, and serving God and by God, he's a big believer. Every morning, first thing I get out of bed, I drop to my knees and I pray to my creator. And I take care of my wife and I take care of my kids. And I take care of my health. And everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, most people go in the reverse order. They wake up and they take care of their business first because you got to make the money to take care of everything else, right? That's ass backwards. Here we go. One. Because your business will eat you alive. It will always be there. You put the other priorities as a foundation and everything you do in your business becomes a lot more meaningful. Set. Eight. Most people treat themselves like a body with a soul. I treat myself like a soul with a body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you, you want to expand on that a bit? Yeah, your spirit, your body, like you and I are going to be old and ugly and wrinkled 50 years from now. Our dicks aren't going to work. We're not going to be able to do any of this. We're going to be doing any of this stuff. But no matter how much we buy back, okay, maybe a little longer than that. But our souls are the one visible spark inside of us that, for better or worse, are going to go on to exist for eternity. And that's the part that can be bright and shining well manicured and perfectly attended to until the very day that you take your last breath and go on to a better place. So that's why I always remind myself, all of this is going to disappear except the soul. However, for your soul to be able to bless other people and for you to be able to live with maximum impact doing whatever it is that God put you on this planet to do, you also got to make yourself strong, hard to kill, resilient, and with a well-functioning body and mind. And that 
is why I do this shit. I don't do this so I can have the most cars or houses or money or brag about the longest lifespan or anything like that. It's all about equipping myself to have whatever lifespan and health span I was put on this earth to have so I can help yeah. as many people as possible. It's definitely an interesting and different take. A lot of people who are deep believers would believe in God willing and just yeah. letting everything be as it is. Yeah. Nah, you, uh, you gotta take care of this vessel. You gotta take care of this vessel. After Ben put me through my paces with a high-intensity kettlebell workout, we jumped into my infrared sauna before taking a plunge in my cold pool. On next week's episode, I speak to Wim the Iceman Hoff at length on this subject, so I won't give too much away now. However, whilst in the cold pool, I took the opportunity to ask Ben about his supplement regime and the role nutrition plays in his pursuit of perfect health. Beyond biohacks, exercise, and sleep, diet. one thing we didn't touch a whole lot on was diet. Uh -huh. And again, kind of like we were talking about being data-driven and testing, there's a huge amount of biochemical individuality between people. Where like, yeah, the carnivore diet works for some people and plant-based diet works for some people and keto works for some and high carb works for others. So I think the best solution there is do DNA testing and get some blood work mm -hmm. and figure out what diet is going to work for you. But painting with a broad brush, probably because of something like the origin of humankind being somewhere around the fertile crescent. If you look at large bodies of epidemiological data, the diet that seems to be the best for most people for cardiovascular health, mortality, and living a long time is some semblance of a Mediterranean diet mm -hmm. that's low in vegetable oils and ultra-processed foods. And then also, once you get in, if you look at the dietary habits of all these so-called blue zones, right, like areas around the world where people live a disproportionately long period of time, you gotta tell, you gotta tell they, the diets are all over the place, right? Like some of them are eating plants, some of them are animals, some high fat, some low fat, but almost all of them are eating in a mindful state, right? Not like driving down the highway at 60 miles an hour while shoving a smoothie down their throat. They're like eating with people. They're praying for their food or having some kind of a gratitude practice with their food. They are eating food that is not processed and typically not in many cases taken out of packages and containers and wrappers. And there's some semblance of fasting whether religious fasting or some other form of ceremonial fasting on a regular basis. So no matter what diet you eat, preferably customize it to you. If you can't, make it somewhat Mediterranean. I know. <laughs> see, there's even an icicle in yeah, it. So proof. it's legitimately cold. We're not just pretending here. And then eat with people in a low-stress state. Be super grateful. Fast occasionally and eat as close to nature as possible. And you're at least going to be on a pretty good track mm. if you do that for your diet. And supplements, what's your... What's your, would you say, are the kind of the essentials for everyone to, to take? The essential what? Supplements. Oh, the essential supplements. I would say that if I could name three that have a very large amount of data behind them that a lot of people benefit from, that are pretty widely accessible, relatively affordable, and have a pretty low risk, it would be... Fish oil, yeah. at anywhere from one up to four grams per day. It would be creatine at about five grams per day. 
and it would be something that upregulates NAD in the body, whether NR, NMN, or NAD. Mm -hmm. There's obviously a whole lot of other supplements. So that's ATP but, once again. Yeah, but, but again, yeah, creatine for sleep deprivation, for cognitive, for strength, for power, NAD for cellular repair and recovery, and then fish oil for heart health and general anti-inflammation. And so, like, those would be three that, mm -hmm. that would be kind of no-brainers for everybody except people with cancer shouldn't take NAD. Mm -hmm. That's, like, the one population that might increase the rate of tumor growth in. So that one's kind of... Kind of, kind of iffy if you have cancer. That's pre, pre, pre existing cancer. That's yeah. interesting because there's yeah. been, there's, there's, I know a lot of cancer patients actually take an ID. They should. That's Specifically that's breast cancer, mm -hmm. but because of the data on breast cancer, I'm convinced that you should just be super cautious with it if you have any cancer. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that old study, you know, grab my shorts, that old, uh, or that old book called The China Study by T. Colin Campbell, where they were saying like a high protein diet will give you cancer. Uh -huh. Well, it turns out that the only situation from any study that they cite in that book in which a high-protein diet gives you cancer is if they've already induced tumor growth in an animal model. Meaning, like, if you already have cancer, protein will accelerate the growth of the cancer. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have cancer, protein is really good for you. And it's the same with NAD. Right? Like, NAD is really good for you unless you have cancer, in which case you should avoid. Some of these things, there's, like, lots of little, like... Subtle nuances and variables that you got to kind of be aware of, you know. Nothing like being interviewed while I'm in my wet underwear. <laughs> yeah, likewise. And how did you how did you discover this world? What was your what was your journey? You know, I I grew up like a total nerd. Like played violin for 13 years, and I was president of the chess club, and you know loved to read and write fantasy fiction books, and just. Not a ladies' man, total nerd, homeschooled K through 12 up in the hills of North right, Idaho. So you weren't as competitive as you are now. Oh, no. Well, there no. you go. So, and, go. And, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your your boys are so I, I found a sport that I really loved, in this case, tennis. And so I got into weightlifting and running up the hills behind my house and competing, getting stronger, and how do you eat healthy. I got so interested in all of that that I decided when I got to college that I didn't want to design video games and be a computer programmer which was my original intention. And I instead declared myself as a, a human performance major. So I studied mm -hmm. exercise physiology, biomechanics, and nutrition. And I spent five years in college. I studied for the MCATs. I got accepted to some medical schools. I wanted to be a doctor. And then after spending about six months in hip and knee surgical sales, I became pretty disillusioned with the medical industry and decided I didn't want to be a doctor, but I still loved fitness and mm -hmm. health and nutrition. So I got a job managing a gym in eastern washington and started another gym with a physician friend of mine ran that gym for five years as like the director of sports performance eventually got voted as america's top personal trainer mm -hmm. and then i took that and started to write books and do podcasts and speak on stage and have just kind of been doing that ever since so this is pretty much the language i've spoken and everything i've done since i was like 17 years old so, do you feel better now than you did when you were 17 years oh old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. I feel good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's everything. It's, I will yeah. say, I, yeah. I, I, uh, it's a uh, great respect and admiration for what you've done. And I Thanks, only do a fraction. It's my job to do this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why, that's, that's why I was to, trying to, I was trying to yeah. narrow it down yeah. for those who can't either afford or don't have the time or both. Yeah. How to, how to, how we can get our listeners, viewers yeah. to, to, yeah. to just you can do a lot of this 
in an ancestral and primal fashion. And that's the guys like me who get paid to stick laser lights up our nose and melatonin suppositories up our butts and figure out what what uh, what fun. works and what gives it's you fun, explosive diarrhea. You feel great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you think? Should we go eat a meal? Yeah. All right. Let's do it, dude. Thanks. Give you a creepy underwear hug. There you go. Ben is a fountain of knowledge and an incredibly interesting and enlightened individual, particularly in this field, who knows more than most, I think. Or that I've spoken to, he is definitely driven and competitive, and you can see that he used to be a professional sportsman in his past, and uh, it's obviously a very useful congregation of qualities in his past that has come together to create a really exciting new life for him. And I really enjoyed speaking to Ben. Not long after chatting to Ben, I caught up with another longevity science advocate former soap star and socialite of the 90s and early noughties, Davinia Taylor. These days, she swapped wild parties for wellness, has two Sunday Times best-selling books, It's Not a Diet, and Hack Your Hormones, plus a range of supplements called Will Powders. Davinia, you've gone from being a soap star to a biohacking queen. Will you please tell our listeners about your journey? Okay, so, um, right, I started acting at a very young age. I um, bolted out of school when I was uh, about 17. I just couldn't hack this sort of system anymore. I didn't know that I was I had ADHD then, to be honest, and I, I blame myself for not being, being able to be more studious. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of, like, very hyper-focused on something I do like and something I get bored with I will just dismiss. So... A-levels got dismissed halfway through and I just ran off to join the circus, so to speak. So I did that. I started acting and then me being me after a few years got bored with that as well and then got into property, then decided to get married. And, um, you know, I mean, I do get bored with everything and got divorced. But um, I throughout that period, I was exposed to an awful lot of alcohol. And this is where my ADHD comes into it because nowhere in my life, I'm fortunate not to have any trauma I had a nice upbringing, two really hardworking parents. I was an only child. Nothing to focus on as, as to why alcohol got me. And I think I was predisposed to it from, from birth, really. I, I just think that's, that was something that turned against me. But now I know how to hack around it. It works for me. So it's not kind of like a, it's not a negative. I mean, I've taken medication for it and um, it makes me feel very homesick, despondent, disconnected. Mm-hmm. I kind of like my crazy little brain and the party that goes on in Yeah, there. it's yours. <laughs> I recently interviewed someone called Gabo Mate. Yes. And uh, apart from many other theories that uh, he has, very interesting, brilliant theories, yeah. one of the theories is that things like alcoholism or any addiction is a symptom as opposed to an illness. Mm-hmm. It's a symptom Absolutely, of yeah. what you've been through mm-hmm. at another time. But do you, so the theory is, and that's, it's quite a widely spread theory now, quite a widely believed theory, that something like ADHD is, is a coping mechanism from childhood. Mm-hmm. When, when you're trying to distract yourself from something that's unpleasant or or um, or unfriendly or, or unfriendly person or fear or, 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 fear. Fear or, yeah. or, or a parent that's not listening or not hearing you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that theory? Possibly, but I think well, I was talking to a guy called Bruce Lipton the other week who has this theory that we are programmed, we have a programming system because we're in kind of like a hypnotic state from the third trimester of pregnancy right the way up to age eight. And there we are in a slightly in an imaginary world. 
And we are programmed within that world to react to certain environmental outcomes for the rest of our lives. And that is our subconscious programming. And I think there might be something there. I mean, strangely enough, I I was talking to him about this and um, it's a case of not feeling safe. I I, I said to him, do you know what? I think I I don't feel safe. I don't trust myself. Always because I'm always scared of a relapse into alcohol. That's always there because you know, that would just end me. But he, uh, he said, is, was there anything in your childhood that, that could have jolted you? And I said, well, actually when I was four, my mom had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So me being taken away from my major caregiver, even though I don't remember it could have done that. But that is trauma. Yeah, it is trauma, but I don't remember it. So, yeah. you know, often when, um, so a lot of people, when they go into say the AA rooms and stuff, they have a solid piece of traumatic experience. There was a divorce, there was abuse, there was a, a death at say age 11, 12, 13 or 14 that they can pinpoint. Mm-hmm. So with me, I've done a lot of chasing. Where, where did it come from? Where did it come from? And all I can surmise is, you know, nothing that I can remember post-programming, I can pinpoint so I can't do th- talking therapy about it. I just know once I have a glass of wine, all bets are off. <laughs> I'm off to <laughs> Vegas. You know? It's a shame I didn't see you then. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, you yes, yeah, that, that would have been wild. But... Um, <laughs> You know, I have I have a similar thing with surgery I had when I was four months old. And it is what it is, and it's how we hack around it right now in the here and now yeah. uh, to make it make it a positive experience for you. But anyway, just going back to biohacking, what is biohacking? Well, for me, it is um, having the information and the tools to hack into my own biology, so to have workarounds. Living in the 21st century, we're very far away from an ancestral lifestyle, which would be anti-inflammatory, you know, walking around barefoot and having completely unprocessed foods, lots of natural daylight. So for me, it's being able to use technology to mimic that as much as possible. So my body isn't on this sort of counterattack. It's not worried that, you know, we're in a a high stress situation and ultimately bring down my stress response so I can be, I can think, I can talk, I can react in an appropriate manner to life. And also that, of course, my, my body is working to detox and regenerate as, as, as much as humanly possible. So I sort of, like I said earlier, like I, so I thrive and I can like get through middle age into old age and be as vital as possible rather than just plodding. Do you know what? It's also really sort of hopeful. You know, you, you feel like optimistic, you go, well, do you know what? It might just work. There might just be light at the end of the tunnel because there's so much doom and gloom around us and this is happening and this is out of your control. It's bloody not out of your control. There's so many little hacks you can do and different diets you could just tweak into just to make yourself mentally feel better. And that's, that's for what, for me, it's hacking into your mental health. So you feel, you wake up every morning going, yeah, good, I'm alive. Do you wake up every morning feeling like that? Yeah, I am, I am actually a morning person. So that is great. But do you wake um, up every morning thinking? Well, thinking, I mean, I wake up every morning thinking, shit, are we late for school? Because <laughs> I've got to get kids out the door. And I normally, I mean, I wake up probably about half past six. Mm-hmm. And I wake up grateful that, A, I'm, you know, I'm sober because I remember that last hang- hangover like it was yesterday. So that always puts me on a good f- step. I've got what number one, the first thought in my head is gratitude and relief. And then it's like, oh shit, now I'm late. So, um, and then it's a case of just rallying the troops and getting out the door. And so, um, yeah, it, it suits my dopamine seeking because I've got a bit of adrenaline there to push me up, you know? 
And sometimes I thrive in a stressful situation, not chronic stress, but I do. I, I, I like to get up and go. I think that's why I've got so many kids. And what motivates you? Well, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. So that is a major motivation because if I'm not tip top mentally and spiritually, I could go back dance with the devil again and I would lose everything. And that's why I love biohacking because it's a self-personalization end of one experiment that takes you right the way through life. And a weird thing is about longevity and everything. It's a strive to live a long, vital life that we've kind of overconfused. It's literally just how the human race has evolved. And we're now trying to make out it's some wacky diet. I mean, just mean not having that? hyper-processed food, just getting natural daylight, just sleeping um, in, in time with our circadian rhythm is now like, oh my God, you've got orthorexic tendencies. No, I just want to be a frigging human being and not get cancer at the age of 50. Thanks. So what, what um, biohacks haven't worked for you? Oh, um, <laughs> where, do, where do I start? Let's, let's have a look. I've got, um, let me show you this scar here. And I've done it twice. So this one did not work. And I think it was one of Greenfield's bloody ideas, actually. So, yeah, I've got one there. Can you see the, the Cambo scar? Yeah. there and there. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I decided, because when I was like digging to try and find this trauma, this was a few years ago, so as to why I, I'm an alcoholic and you know, what, what is it that I'm suppressing? I found out about this um, treatment called Cambo. Yeah. And it's like a Amazonian tree frog. It like, um, it secretes like this uh, sebum on its back and it's taken from the Amazon forest, shipped over to the UK where a shaman will uh, literally use joss sticks and burn holes in your skin. They're called yeah. gateways. And she'll put this sebum on and it, it, it's not trippy or hallucinogenic. I'm not into mind. It's anti-inflammatory, isn't it? Uh. Everything. But basically what happens is you drink liters of water. This goes on you. Your face swells up. You look possessed and you puke up for like 40 minutes. And I did all this on a Tuesday morning in Tottenham. And I could... <laughs> <laughs> That's not the place to do it. No. And, I, and the worst thing was I went back and had to do it with another in the same flat in Tottenham. So, and I thought, no, I've got to give it a couple of goes because I didn't feel any uplift from it, but oh my God, boy, was I sick. So that did you not did feel not cleansed? Work. No. Really? I just went home and I went, oh my God, I'm starving. <laughs> what can we have? And I just stuffed my face. So no, I didn't feel anything at mm-hmm. all from that one. And I, I was open to it. I was up for it. But if anybody asked me, is it worth doing? I said, not for me. Mm-hmm. I tried it twice and uh, it, it didn't work. But um, I, I videoed it, my face, what happened to it. I put it on Instagram oh my god <laughs> my face swelled up i looked like i looked like li- literally like the, the devil had taken over me i looked demonic gotta try everything oh. once well this is it so but the trouble with me is i'll always try it twice so <laughs> yeah just to make sure <laughs> but no i mean some people really uh enjoy that you know and there's a lot of people who use ayahuasca and stuff that's not for me it's not it, that does not work for me that sort of I wouldn't mess with my brain. I like where it is. You know, I've come to I've come to realize that it is one of my greatest powers, and not to dabble with it. I dabble with it a lot in the nineties. So yeah, I've just done ayahuasca, and I, I'd say it was pretty extraordinary. But mm. we're not here to talk about me. No, I mean, I, th- I think it's um, and I also with the psilocybin coming out, I know that I can't touch that stuff. It takes me to a lot of people. It unlocks a heavenly spiritual experience for me. I go into a real darkness and a real fear paranoia intense uh, feeling of eternal hell and that has something to do with my GABA receptors in my head I think I frazzled them back Mm. in the day so it's just not for me it's you know 
Trial and error is an essential part of learning process for any biohacker, as I myself have found out. I asked Davinia if she could share from her experience what actually works. Let's try and narrow it down for our listeners what you'd say are the most important biohacks. Right, so for me, it all starts, well, it's constantly just checking in with my brain. It's what I put in my body seems to get into my brain, my crosses the blood brain barrier. So I start my day with, um, like Dave Asprey did, with MCT oil, um, but I have it in a powder format because I like to run. I find that MCT oil, as in the classic bulletproof coffee, creates ketones, but when I run that sort of distance, like 7K, you can get a bit of acid reflux. So I developed some keto powder. You can get it all over the globe now, but um, I developed it with some butter in. It's super convenient, and it just, boom, helps me press pause on bacon butties, Weetabix, whatever is in my little 1980s psyche that I'm craving. It just helps me uh, press pause on it, you know, and I can just... I can go for a run. I don't need to fuel in anything else. So I find that um, fueling with fat throughout the day, specifically ketones, the working day is is tough enough without putting brain fog in the way. So I have, I'm have i not ketogenic. I have carbohydrates at night, complex carbs, sourdough, that sort of thing, even roast potatoes, whatever I'm having with the kids. If we're having a big roast dinner, we'll have it at night. And that's when I sort of ride the carb coma into bed. That, that's when I think it's appropriate. If you're having a sandwich at two o'clock in the afternoon or a lunch, you're going to be shattered. And I work throughout the day and I've also got to pick the kids up at four o'clock and deal with them as well. So I'm boosting myself with ketones, which increases noradrenaline. So do you once a day? Yeah, mainly. Like yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, those ketones are really important and you don't just get them from coconuts. You can get them from like raw goat's milk. You know, they're really valuable fat. And the great thing about it is you're still in a slight fasted state, but you get a fat fast because the MCT all um, doesn't go through the digestive system. It gets straight into the liver where it's converted to ketones into the bloodstream and up to the brain. So a lot of people say, oh, you're not doing a traditional fast. I'm like, yeah, it's not a religious fast. This is a fat fast because A, I'm a woman and B, I'm a junkie when it comes to carbohydrates. I need a bit of hand holding throughout that. Do you do, do, you do intermittent fasting? Do you start a particular Yeah, time? so, I mean, I won't, all I'll have is MCT powder or oil. And uh, do you know what else I do? I have um, teaspoons of um, bovine collagen mm-hmm. and that ke- I keep it under two grams a serving because then it doesn't kick off the liver or the digestive system. So the great thing about the bovine collagen is it's made up of amino acids and the body and the brain is always seeking amino acids on a subconscious level. So as you consume that, you just put it in your tea or your coffee or even a glass of water. It's totally flavorless. As soon as you consume that, obviously the gut starts in the mouth. It registers these amino acids. It sends a message straight to the brain saying, do you know what? We've got all our amino acids. You can stop seeking food. So you get like cues, say 11 o'clock, you'll, you'll go, oh, I think I'll have a biscuit. No, no, no. You can get ahead of that craving by just having teaspoons of collagen throughout the day and it won't break your fast. Okay, so you wake up, plenty of light. How about um, IVs? Do you- Love them. Because it's really dramatic as well. And, you know, it's exciting. But I had a really good one in uh, Spain the other day. I had um, curcumin IV. It really, yeah, it felt really nice and energized. And one of my favorite, particularly for people struggling with alcohol and drug addiction, is NAD IVs, mm-hmm. which can be a little bit... <sighs> can be quite unpleasant. Yeah, they can. But I'll have to find out that there's an enzyme you can mix with it. Actually, I think it's a steroid that you can mix with it that means you can get a full gram of NAD into your bloodstream within an hour and a half as opposed to the seven hours 
and it really mitigates that. And I off, I do Wim Hof breathing while I'm doing it as well, mm-hmm. just to really try. Do you do, and, do you do Wim Hof breathing every if day? If I'm in a if I'm in a really pissed off mood, that's my go to. I find it's really beneficial around Christmas, uh, before the airport, <laughs> before I mean, Wim before, Hof. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 great. I, yeah, I've, I've interviewed him for this podcast. He's a really interesting. Yeah, he's interesting and man. it's it's fast and it's free. I've got his app on my phone, so if I'm if I'm ever like struggling with um, just just feeling overwhelmed and I'm taking it out on the kids or I'm shouting at Matthew more than normal, I'll do that. I'll take 15 minutes upstairs and I will do the breathing. How long can you keep your breath? Longest is four minutes. And that That's was when great. I was doing NA, NAD mm. the other week in Spain. And the doctor came and goes, you okay? I'm like, oh, 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 hitting a record. You know, there's always a competition in me, you know? So, I mean, I, I think there's so many little hacks and everything that you can do. So many little stacks just to break out of the, the, the chaos that we, we, we create for ourselves. Just, just to kind of bring it back to our listener, if it's just a, a, a person who's listening to a podcast now, never heard of biohacking, never, don't really do anything, what would you say would be the sort of three, five most yeah. important things to do for them, which they also can afford to do? Sure. First, 101 is read the label. Learn how to read the label because uh, you'll be flabbergasted. There's 200 different names for sugar. 200 different names of sugar that's out there. So I wrote a book called It's Not a Diet, and I listed like about 30 of them. They're the top 30 that you need to identify, and you'll, you, you'll recognize most of them. But for me, my biggest bugbear that I want to have a war on is veg oil. I really wouldn't mess with it, to be honest. You've got butter, you've got tallow, you've got avocado it's oil. Nice. It doesn't, though. If you taste the difference between butter and sunflower oil, it's nasty. I mean, I, I, because I, there's no satiety in it. There's no vitamins in it. There's no minerals in it. It is just greenwash marketing and it makes the shelf life much longer in every product and basically it's a brilliant tool for mass production but what it does is it strips the gut of mucus and in that mucus you've got hormone receptors that send signals to the brain telling the brain we've got enough amino acids like i was talking about earlier the amino acids is what your cravings are now as soon as you consume something with vegetable oil it strips the gut of that mucus the hormone receptors retract so you're never satisfied. So, for example, Pringles, once you pop, you can't stop. It's because of the veg oil. That's what it's doing. They're hacking into your brain. So if you want to lower the amount of food you're eating, just have a look for sunflower oil, rapeseed oil on a packet and put it back. That, for me, is the cheapest hack. Learn to read a label. As we said before, it's always worth looking into the research but even if there isn't research if it works for you works correct for you. i mean i mean most of the, so many drugs are just like over placebo anyway there's a power in the in the mind there's a power in all of this and we shouldn't turn our back in it just because a man in white coat said no we've not got the research if it works for me i'm going to do it because i don't really give a shit what anybody else thinks because if i'm happy my kids are happier i'm doing you know and my world's a better place to be in so you know that there is a huge amount of power in just doing what's right for you and feeling your vibe and feeling your stride because you've only got one life and it, you know you can't be told by doctors that this isn't right if it's working for you it's it's insane if it makes you feel good why Correct. not <laughs> thank you to my guests ben greenfield and davinia taylor and thank you for listening to this episode of brave new world next week we have some very special guests I'll be talking to Wim, the Iceman Hoff, and Rita Ora on the benefits of cold water immersion combined with breathing exercises, a pursuit I feel passionate about, practice every day, and I'm excited to talk about. 
Until next time. Bye for now.